Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and today with me is our Chief Science Officer, Dr. Brandon Roberts, and we are going to get into another research review. Today, we're going to talk about concurrent training and whether or not there's an interference effect. This is something we've talked about uh, multiple times in different capacities, but it's it's a really fascinating topic, and I feel like it can go so many different ways, and there's in my opinion, you know, there's like, there's the CrossFit, which is the concurrent training that could be considered, you know, two times a day, or it could be a single time a day, but it is concurrent because you go to a, a one hour CrossFit session and you do everything, you know, <laughs> you're literally going everywhere. Now, if you look at professional people who go to CrossFit, the CrossFit games, I have a couple clients who actually have, uh, I have one guy who is no longer competing and one who just competed this last year, nutrition clients, I don't do their programming. It is concurrent, but they train two times a day. So for people listening who are really in CrossFit, the really, really good CrossFitters, they split their training up. They don't do like a wad like that. Just, you know, just to, not to burst your bubble. But, um, and then there's the type of uh, concurrent training for fat loss purposes where we would be like, hey, we need to add cardio. You know, when do we do this? Do we do it in the morning, hours before? Do we do a pre-workout? Do we do a post-workout? Um, and then there's the concurrent training that would be more like a, um, almost like a daily undulated type of concurrent, right? This is, or weekly, it depends on how you do it. And I've programmed both of these ways where we might be, maybe strength is our main focus. So every week we have a strength training, but we alternate. Um, I have a couple clients on a program like this. This is weekly undulated. Week one, we might be doing like strength and speed power development. And then week two, we might be doing strength and hypertrophy. And we just rotate those. A daily undulated would be, you're doing them every week strength, hypertrophy, and speed, or just strength, hypertrophy, whatever it is. So there's a lot of ways to do this kind of training. Um, so uh, and I'm just giving that context because we've done this more than once, and that's why, because you can do this many different ways. And it's a topic that I'm interested in because um, I we also have a lot of clients who came to us from a circuit training or a running or a CrossFit background, and they enjoy the endurance training. So they don't want to stop, but their main focus is building muscle and changing their physique. So it's helpful for us to know how to do this properly so that we can be like, hey, you know what? You can still run, but here's the guidelines. So you can enjoy that part and still, uh, you know, eat your cake and have it too, or have your cake and eat it too, however it goes, which I never really understood because if you're going to have a cake, why wouldn't you eat it? Does it make sense? Yeah, um, right. I don't know. I really still don't understand that, that saying to this day. Um, but there's a lot of those. So, uh, anyway, uh, concurrent training, man, fill us in. Is there an interference effect? Do you recommend it? If, if so, break it down. If not, why not? Okay. So another reason that we cover concurrent training frequently is because there are new meta-analyses, new studies going on all the time, right? Concurrent training is highly studied. In fact, if you look at like the first study on concurrent training, it was like 1980. Um, and this was a proof of concept study. And this is where like some people are still stuck in the eighties. Um, but what they did was they, this guy named Robert Hickson or Bob Hickson, he had three groups of people, one group trained five days a week, just strength training. One group trained six days a week, endurance training. So 40 minutes of 85% heart rate max. So you're like, you're, you're running 40 minutes a day for six days a week. That's a lot. And then the third group did both of those. And sure enough, the combined group, the concurrent group kind of hit like a plateau about week seven-ish where, um, you know, the strength group 
got stronger that next week and the concurrent group kind of just fell off a cliff because they were training a really large amount. Um, so that kind of started it all. And then if we jump forward a really long time, jump forward to 2012, the first meta-analysis on concurrent training basically said, um, you know, you can still gain muscle like hypertrophy. You can still gain strength. You can still gain power if you concurrent train. You just can't gain as much as if you did it separately, right? And and you're you know as an athlete, you're like, yeah, I mean, I can't be the best at everything at the same time. That makes sense. Um, but it was so so from that meta analysis and the studies around that time, it was kind of like, okay, so there must be some kind of interference effect. And so in parallel with these studies, you have the mechanistic studies. And on the mechanism side, you have, you know, mTOR, muscle protein synthesis type thing, um, AMPK, which is the endurance kind of transcription factor. And what they found, you know, in the 2000s was these two like blocked each other or actually AMPK, which you activate by running or by being in a really low energy status, blocks mTOR. And when you block mTOR, you don't grow as much muscle, right? And so then it was like, okay, this is how the interference effect exists. It's these pathways. Okay, so fast forward a couple more years, there's another study that comes out, a review, and it says, well, you know, I mean, it only happens if you train a certain amount of, like, training concurrent so strength and endurance within a certain time frame and in 2016 bagley and murick put out this really nice paper that was like okay the farther you separate them the better your hypertrophy and strength response and power response and so i think at that time they had a study with like I don't know, 30 minutes, three hours, six hours, and 24 hours. And the, the study with 24 hours did the best with all of the strength and hypertrophy outcomes. So they, that kind of opened a can of worms of, okay, so now we just need to arrange things right. Um, so a bunch of more studies, you know, get another 10 years, another bunch of analyses um, come out and say, all right, if you separate your training by at least three hours, but preferably 24 hours, you can get the best of both worlds unless you're an elite athlete. Then you're kind of, you just have to pick a spot. Um, so that's where we're at now. And the reason I wanted to cover this was because the newest meta-analysis just really backed that up. It was like, you know, if you separate things by at least three hours, you're pretty good. Um, so that's the kind of the update for now. How much of this do you think uh, calorie consumption plays a role? Because the only thing I'm thinking of too is like, you know, if, I mean, is it a matter of being in a, and I don't think so, but I could be wrong, catabolic versus anabolic state, right? When we're doing cardio, maybe we're more of a catabolic state versus anabolic state when we're lifting. Or is it the fact that once we add this cardio, we create a bigger deficit and now these people aren't as much of in a surplus. So my question would be, you know, let's say me right now, I want to gain muscle, but I want to improve my aerobic performance. So I'm going to add two a days. Um, I could stay where my calories are at, or I could purposely create an even bigger surplus than I would normally do because I'm adding that cardio. Do you think it would still have that effect because the systems and the energy systems and everything, and, you know, anabolism versus cannibalism, all that kind of stuff? Not yeah, cannibalism, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> cannibalism. Nobody's eating me. <laughs> 
So uh, most of these studies don't control for nutrition. And I think that that brings up a great point. Like if you're doing two days, or even if you're just training like five or six days a week and doing a, a good amount of running and a good amount of lifting, like that requires a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. So if you are at maintenance, you're not adapting as good as you could be, because if you're in a surplus, you know, you may gain a little weight or gain a little muscle or whatever, but you know, your body has what it needs to adapt. Right. Then it's a, then it's a factor of, um, am I doing too much volume? You know, do I, do I cut things down a little bit? So I actually get more performance. Am I pushing myself, am I overtraining or overreaching too often? Um, so I would say to kind of answer your question, yes, if you're trying to maximize performance, you should probably be in at least a little bit of a surplus for some period of time. Like you don't want to gain a bunch of weight, but like you probably won't anyway, because you're training so hard. And this is why it's important for people to consider this in all facets. You know, I talk to people when they go through an injury and they're like, you know, I don't want to like, should I create a deficit? But then that'll, if I'm in a deficit, maybe I won't recover as much. I'm like, well, you should create a deficit because it's not going to be a deficit because you're on crutches. <laughs> so you're not going to be moving as much, you know? And so we constantly have to be aware of the swing of, of really, I mean, it's metabolic adaptation, right? And your main maintenance calories based on BMR, TDE, right? How much are you moving? How much are you standing? How hard are you training? All those kind of factors. Um, and those play a role too. Cause like, I know if you don't change your calories and you started adding running or some kind of aerobic component, you might just be slowly fatiguing more because now you have more to recover from. And if you don't add calories while doing that, now all of a sudden you're probably burning less calories in your training session because you're just not going as hard and you're not going to build as much muscle because you're fatigued and you're not, if you're metabolically fatigued, this is why short rest periods kind of suck for most people who want to build muscle because when you're metabolically fatigued, it's just hard to keep squatting heavy weight, <laughs> you know? Um, but then there's, of course, like you said, like there's elite athletes who are also genetic freaks or gifted with um, some special supplements, uh, aka steroids and drugs. And they can maybe bypass some of this as well because they have an upper hand or a or different kind of advantage. Um, and actually more and more people were getting busted in CrossFit for that as well. So some of those like people you see, you're just like, holy shit, how are they doing that? And look that way. And then they get popped for steroids. And you're like, ah, okay. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Um, and there's natural ones that are too, but point, uh, the point is that it's out there. Yeah. So I think the, the, the point is try not to compare yourself to those people. Cause 100%. you never know. <laughs> right. Um, I actually have not. So you kind of, put something into my head, seen an overfeeding with concurrent training study. That's something that somebody should do. Yeah. That's listening. I'm just kidding. So I just don't listen to us. Um. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> well, and that's, and that's, but that's a good example for those like freak. I mean, I interviewed Noah Olson who is, he's jacked and he's, he's stared on the podium m- multiple times and we interviewed him on the podcast and I've talked to him about his day and stuff. He eats a lot of food. It's a lot of food. And he, yes, he does do two to three sessions per day. So, you know, I, but it's just, it's a different category. Like you have to get paid to do that. Otherwise you're not going to be able to create the lifestyle for that because these guys are taking naps they're sleeping nine hours a day. They're stretching, doing yoga, mobility. They're eating in a surplus. They're training through everything's just so centered around that. They're able to become that freak athlete. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I forgot to mention this, but there was another analysis or meta analysis. Do you remember when hit got really popular? Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea being that if you're dieting, you could use hit to not lose muscle. Mm-hmm. So this kind of is in that realm. Um, but they, they looked at 
just hit as a aerobic form, right? It's not really aerobic, but yeah. as a as a way to increase your metabolic capacity. Um, and they basically found that that definitely does not reduce hypertrophy or upper body strength, but lower body strength, because a lot of the studies were sprint studies or bicycle sprint studies, um, it did have a negative effect on. So that was independent of like how far apart you do them. Um, I don't think they looked at that because they didn't have enough studies, but it, you know, choosing your concurrent kind of complement or your aerobic complement to whatever your resistance training is, could have a big factor, whether it's running or bicycling or hit or swimming, right? So you might be able to use different tools to kind of offset some of those negative effects if they're going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that like for people listening, this is where if you're going to do hit this, you could do it at the end of a leg day because typically hit, you're not going to be doing it for 30, 40, 60 minutes. Therefore, you're not going to have to worry about that muscle atrophy or losing muscle as much as you would if you're doing an hour long run after, right after a workout. Um, On top of that, we could do aerobic training on your upper body days, because if you do it in the morning on your upper body day, you have another 36 hours before you hit your legs. And then you hit your legs as a hit finisher right afterwards. Again, you don't got to worry about doing legs for at least 48 hours. I would assume up to 72, depending on your split. Um, And that would probably cover it pretty well, you know? Yeah, definitely. Can I, can I tell you how I tried to do full body training for the past two weeks and just, it crushed me. Like, <laughs> I, I'm so disappointed. I just like, oh man, I, every now, every like couple of years, I'll try it again and be like, no, I can do it. I'll just reduce volume and reduce RPE. Nope. Always crushes yeah. me. Always. I think that's, you know, it's, I think it's very individual. There's some people who it, it just like, you just can't do it. And some people you can, um, I've enjoyed it, but not with high volume. Like when I do high volume, I just can't do it because I just get too fatigued. Um, but I do enjoy it at times. Like if I'm going into a fat loss phase or a strength phase, I don't mind it. But I still, to be honest with you, I always resort back to an upper lower split. I just love it, you know. And if I really want like a fifth day, throwing in like a specialization day, which usually for me would be arms just because I love doing curls. So take arms out of the other days as much and just do a ton of curls on the fifth day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think – my favorite split is um, an upper lower, but I do, because I have to run a bit, I, I do long distance runs or like timed two mile, three mile runs. It's kind of like alternate each week between those. That's probably what I should go back to after I finish up this cold that I have. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Um, dude, I think that kind of wraps up. Do you have anything you want to add before we sign off on this one? No, I think that's it. Just, you know, the, don't or keep your concurrent training far apart as you can. <laughs> yep. Yep. And we have some content on the website for this guy. So if you want, go to the blog, search concurrent training. I'm sure at least one or two blogs are going to pop up or research views. The podcast is on there too. So you'll see all those as well. Um, and as always, if you like this podcast, go leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and Spotify because they do it now. And if you enjoyed this specific episode, take a screenshot, post it on your Instagram story and tag myself at Cody McBroom, tag Brandon at brob underscore 21. We want to thank you for listening and we want to share it on our uh, story as well. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next time.